0: A number of years ago I read um, The Gospel According to the Sun by Norman Mailer that uh, takes the life of Jesus and puts it in his own words. Uh, Theologically I'm sure we would have many uh, issues uh, in different places with it, but in many places it just, the way a playwright does or a, a novelist does or a film script does, it just opened up some moments in the gospel stories that were um, helpful for me at the time. And as I came today to um, the baptism of Jesus, which is what the church across the world um, celebrates today, um, I was drawn back in my memory to how Norman Mailer had talked about the the baptism story. I'd love to read it all, but it's Communion Sunday and we haven't time for that. But well, actually, let me read the last part of it, Um, uh, not just the words I want to get to. John came up behind me as I entered the water and with the strength of a desert lion he seized me by the nose and with the other hand pressing upon my forehead thrust me back into the river passing so quickly from air to water I gasped first at the loss of my breath and then from all the water I swallowed still in this moment I saw things and my life was changed forever was the holiest descending towards us In the shape of a dove. And when I came up from the water. The dove was on my shoulder. I felt as if much had come to me. From all that had been lost. I was one again with myself. A poor man. But good. And then I felt more. I had a vision of glory. The the heavens opened for an instant. And it was as if I saw a million souls. Then I felt more. I had a vision of glory. The heavens opened for an instant, and it was as if I saw a million souls. The baptism of Jesus, this moment where a dove descends. Was it the moment when the heavens opened and Jesus finally got a vision of what God was going to do through him, God Himself, the Son of God, and all the mystery of the Trinity? A vision of glory. A vision of glory. Ken tells me that Martin Luther Ken Newell, 114 this year I think from what Dave Thompson was saying. Glad he wasn't here this morning to be quite honest but I will use it at the right time for sure. Um, Ken and can I just throw in and we don't have a lot of time for such things. Um, the Four Corners Festival starts, you see that the, for the plug. On the 28th of January and on the 1st of February Ken is going to be the speaker at St. Uh, Patrick's. St. Patrick's you will be aware is that um, that uh, Catholic church on Donegal Street where the bands stop and do a wee bit of uh, raise the noise a little bit before they move on. We chose that venue for Ken and this might not get to the press, but it might. Um, we chose that venue for Ken because Ken said he was in one of those bands once. And now he will speak from inside about the vision that captured him towards reconciliation and peace. because Ken's memoir captured by a vision will be launched here. Probably in the new room seems ideal for me. On the 23rd of April next year. Anyway, that's advertising in between. Ken tells me that Martin Luther said that every time we wash our face, we should remember our baptism. Every time we wash our face, we should remember our baptism. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I can't remember my baptism. And now I am getting to the joyful point where I can remember some of the children's baptism who come uh, up um, to listen to Paul and all of us as we do our children's talks. But what Martin Luther's obviously saying is, let us remember what our baptism was about every time we wash our face. And that would seem to me to be in that maybe older form of the faith and the disciplines of the faith where we put things in place in our daily lives, our daily lives, every day, that took us to moments where the spiritual reminders came to where the spiritual met in our ordinary existence like the old Irish where they would have that blessing when they come into a house or lit a fire moments of liturgy almost during the day I always think we should never be too critical of someone from the west who maybe us Protestants from Ballymena might be thinking is blaspheming because actually God was so much a part of the Irish language that it's not a blasphemy, it's a genuine bringing of God and prayer into every part of the day. Remember your baptism every time you wash your face. What is that baptism? Initiation, right? Into a new community? A core belief of that community? It's about dealing with the past, and I use those words particularly, because dealing with the past is a phrase that is honed particularly in a Northern Ireland political context. It is that interrupting, which I have mentioned so many times that Thompson has put it in the first hymn we sang today. It is about that interrupting of what is, and it's about a new and different future of what can be. Now, what about remembering that every time we wash our face? How does our baptism impact our every day i wrote a poem about our sponsor children in Onelaku and i kind of used the baptismal thing because water is so vital or that well that someone here and fitzroy has uh, has has funded that is such a precious thing for them because the washing of their face is uh, a precious commodity to do that and i was looking at how we turn our tap to wash our face so easily And then I ask this Luther question, do the children of Oneilaku or do the Syrian children that have arrived in, are they aware by how we, the church, treat them that every time we wash our face, we remember our baptism, we remember what our baptism's about, we remember what it means, and we remember it's about a future? Or is it just something personal that we do? A nice event for our children or something that we do when we're adults that haven't been done as children, or is it a personal thing? Is it a personal testimony? Is it a personal confession? Is it a personal nice private type thing? Or is it political subversion? If we take the context of John or sorry, Luke chapter three, where John the Baptist comes to baptise Jesus. We find the context right there in the first verses. It's the year of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Philip, Annas and Caiaphas. It's politically said. Luke sets the scene in the events of the world of the time. This baptism is not some little private thing for those who are interested in John or who will be interested in Jesus. But this is something that is set in the midst of what is going on in the world that they live in. It's personal, but it's political. It is private in some ways, but it's also very public. So what about our context? It doesn't take much contriving, although a wee bit of contriving from me, to say that the first verses of the gospel or the story of this sermon are set, I guess, in 2016, which immediately remembers 1916. In fact, I think if somebody asks me to sign something this year with the date on it, and there's four gaps for the date, I will not put 2016. I am so much thinking about 1916. Here we come. When Arlene took over as First Minister. Here we come in the year that this community celebrates the Easter Rising and this community celebrates the song. Here we come in a year when those tensions will be felt on television. In the press already, who's not going to their event and who won't be invited to their event and who they've invited to their event that the rest won't let them come to their event and I will not be celebrating that event or going to... Already we have the tensions in our little country of this centenary year. And they're almost... Philip and I can discuss this later or even we can discuss it Um, At his event in the Four Corners Festival, Philip Orr's play, um, David was plugging earlier on, uh, 21st of January here, Halfway House. There's another play which uh, is very up to date. It's called the Stormont Stormont House Rules, and it's part of the Four Corners Festival. And that, it seems that Philip will be wanting us to have some discussion around these two events. We'll be asking ourselves, we'll be involving ourselves in the events... But almost, I think, and I'm contriving it, we could see these two events almost as baptismal moments for our communities. Now, the psalm less so, perhaps, because is the psalm not connected with the covenant of 1912 and does that not go back to other moments in our history? But in some ways, if you look at the things that have been happening even at the end of this year, another. this is really, this is not a plug for Four Corners, but were just so relevant um, this year that we're showing uh, a documentary that some of you might have seen called um, More Than a Flag which the BBC showed um, a couple of months ago and More Than a Flag took um, uh, Dan Gordon the playwright who did a play with some of the young bandsmen from East Belfast and they looked at their identity and who they were and I switched it on that night and there's this wee guy driving through East Belfast and he's saying the 12th day is my favourite day of the year and I was about to switch it off actually thinking I do not need to hear any of that. And then I listened long enough to realise that my prejudice and bigotry needed to be challenged by this very programme. But they do go to the sun. And one of the young guys puts on a uniform and he finds his great uncles or great grandfathers I can't remember what it is, is—name on the on the wall there. And there is definitely a sense where this event of the psalm and maybe the false romanticism about it because there's all kinds of questions once you start reading about this battle, but something about these young Protestant loyal to the Queen giving their lives for country is almost a baptismal moment that is constantly remembered, maybe when they wash their face in some Loyalist and Unionist communities. The Easter Rising too. Definitely a baptismal moment for the Republic and all kinds of debates going on about that and how much right they had to have a rising and the blasphemy of linking it with Easter. And all kinds of things around these two things but they're almost identity moments. This year many of our community, both sides of it, will identify themselves as people who the sum or Easter Rising are important for PCI are doing a whole day on it on the 21st before the play is put on here in Fitzroy that night it's an important moment identity where do we find our identity why was Jesus baptized if in our theology we believe him to be sinless then why was Jesus baptized why did he go out to John who had a ministry for repentance To be baptised in a baptism of repentance. It seems that what Jesus was doing. Was identifying himself with us. And I look round and the crib is gone. And I actually if I had a choice. The crib would be there. And the cross would be there all year round. Because they are not about a couple of months. Or a couple of weeks of the year. But when he identified with us in the straw. He identifies with us in this. Baptismal sacramental rite. Of passage Into this community There's also definitely in this passage As particularly with John's prologue and John's gospel Not John the Baptist But John talking about John the Baptist You can understand why I'm confused about the Johns this morning That the two gospel writers Particularly Luke and John Are trying to identify Jesus and John And separate John the Baptist from who Jesus is But it's definitely in this passage And that's why the lectionary reading then goes back To Isaiah 42 We're finding the identity of Jesus in these passages. The genealogy follows. Who is Jesus? But Jesus is also identifying himself with humanity in this new community that he's baptising or will baptise people into. So what about our identity? As those who will celebrate in Dublin or in Belfast what happened at the GPO and around about those events on Easter 1916, find an identity. They will dress up in the garb of the day and no doubt the proclamation will be read and read and read. And in the psalm as they gather to remember that and they put uniforms on and there'll be recreations, no doubt, these moments which people will find that's their identity. Our identity comes in every time we wash our face Remembering our baptism the way Jesus was baptized. As we sit around this table in a moment or two, this is a sense of our identity as Dublin or the Somme are for parts of our community. Identities are very important. And what you believe you are. But more importantly, I think, what you do with what you believe you are. I was thinking about that. Today, Philip didn't think he was a a World Games medalist in some bedroom in Belfast. He had to think that he could go to World Games and be a medalist and then he had to run the World Games. Philip doesn't think he's a QC. He has to get up at some case, some more public than others and do something about what he believes about himself and other things he has to do. Those of us who are in Queens can't think that we have this job. Or are teachers, we can't think we have... Your identity, which the first hymn said that we should set aside when we come to worship, your identity when you put it back on tomorrow, in that sense, is not about something you think. It's about something that you do with what you think. Our identity as Christians is not just something we think, but it's what we do with what we think. We don't remember our baptism to think something. We remember our baptism because when we turn the tap off and we let the water run down through the the basin again, that we get up from that thinking about our baptism to be different in our identity and what we do with our identity after we go out under the street. And as we come to the table in a moment, there's two things I think that we would like to do. Two things that baptism does. We deal with the past and we move to a future. If you've followed me in any way around this table for six and a half years, you will know that we kind of come to the table looking for cleansing, looking for nourishment. And at the end of communion, when we come back together and the elders are standing at the front and I'm doing that closing prayer, I'm always thinking of leaving. Of what that now does as we move out into the world that we live in. Baptism is the same thing. We go into the water, and Norman Mailer's take on it, and Paul's take on it in Colossians. The past is dealt with, and then we burst back through the water into a new world, into a hopeful world, into a world where we are healed, forgiven, redeemed, saved, in all that terminology. A different world. And so when we remember our baptism, when we remember Jesus' baptism on this Sunday across the world of the church, we are remembering that we can deal with the past, that it's dealt with by grace, and that we can dream of a new future. In fact, most of the commentaries around this passage in Luke would be suggesting that what's happening here and why Luke sets it in the political context is there's this realm And we're going against the realm. We are going against what is happening in the world around us. We are going against how it is. And we're becoming that community of the other realm. Of the Jesus realm. Of the Jesus as king realm. With a different identity into who we are. With the hope that grace interrupts into shalom. Well-being future. Now here's a take that's a surmise. And it's not nailed yet. We here in Northern Ireland, maybe even us here in church, we have some sense that our past will be dealt with outside of ourselves. Full disclosure of the past. That's what the political people have been thinking about and maybe let us down with. And they have let us down. There are many people out there who have been traumatised in the past, Injured in the past, living with those injuries of the past and of our troubles that need to be taken care of. But here's one thing that cannot happen, I do not think. And that's me, I do not think. I'm not giving you any biblical passage for this, but I do think that the baptism uh, that we identify with gives us a clue to this. I cannot be healed for what you do to me by you being judged for what you did. I cannot be healed inside of me by what somebody else does to you. I'm not sure that can happen. And we ask it a lot in Northern Ireland. If they get justice and we find out who did it and they're put away, then that will bring me healing. Really? Because the wounds are deep in here. The wounds are part of my soul and my heart and my psyche. And I'm not sure that something that is transmitted on to somebody else, even though justice is needed, I don't think that's going to bring healing here. I think to bring healing here, we need the transcendent breaking in from somewhere else of a healing power. Maybe in the forgiveness of the person that's done something to us. Maybe in the reconciliation with the person who's done something to us. Maybe it's us that the responsibility is on. That we move to find healing. In God. In Jesus. And letting go of the past in baptism. And letting go of the past in the grace of God. And letting go of the past not only in the sins that we've committed but in the sins that have been committed against us and our desire for some kind of vengeance for the other that we foolishly or in a deluded way think might heal us. What we do with the past, how we deal with the past, is caught up in the baptism that we remember every time we wash our faith. Have we as Christians something through this baptismal rite this sacrament have we something to share into our community about where healing might ultimately come from so we're back to Norman Mailer I saw a vision of glory a thousand souls before me when we come through this baptismal rite every time we wash our face, may we get a vision of glory. And may we see those souls that need the presence of God, the good news of God. Maybe in coming to an Alpha group. Maybe in finding a textbook on their desk when they go back to school after their long holiday. Maybe in engaging with our neighbour who has a different view of the centenaries than we have. Maybe in welcoming a Syrian refugee. Or as I discovered this week, someone who's an asylum-seeking destitute. Someone, and one of them has been in this church a few times and has spoken from the front, someone who is not going to ever get status in the UK but can't go back home. So they're left in a no-man's land in Northern Ireland where they can't work. How do you feed yourself if you can't work or get paid for it? And can't go back to find work but will never be allowed to find work here. What if when we washed our faces, what if when we came out of baptism and saw a vision of glory, that it might call us to draw people into Alpha, to commit ourselves to Onilakku, to commit ourselves to the troubles in Northern Ireland and those coming into our country that don't have the money for heat or light or food, haven't had for six or seven years and have no future of finding it. Could our community ask? Could our community ask? Could our neighbors ask? Could our enemies ask? When was the last time you remembered your baptism when you washed your face? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what baptism means to us as a community. That our sin is gone. And that by your grace through faith, we burst through into a whole new world. A whole new sense of who we are. A whole new community. And a whole new vision of glory. Lord, help us at the start of this year to ask ourselves, as we come around this table to ask ourselves when was the last time we remembered our baptism? Who we are in you and what that means to the way we live our lives. May this country and the other countries in the world that this church touches know that tomorrow, when we wash our face, we'll remember our baptism and the implications of it.